welcome to Our Foundations. In this podcast, we are going to take a deep dive into the core systems of our society. We are going to look at, specifically, government, money, and education. As we look at these three systems, we are going to be focused on many different subjects. We're going to look at politics and economics and learning methods and just all different kinds of things, everything from monetary policy to morality. And even though these systems that we are going to look at and analyze have the largest impact on our lives and our society as a whole, there are so many different aspects that most of us just don't really understand or know much about. As I personally have learned about these different aspects of these systems that we are going to be discussing, I have learned that this is crucial to understand as an individual and as a member of society and as a member of a family, um, a leader of my own family. And I believe you will come to believe the same way, that it is so important to understand some of these aspects of the history and the motivations behind the current systems we have and how they play out in our world today and who's behind them. There are, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. And what, what is that? Why? How does that work? How does that impact us? These are the things we're going to look at. There are many things that we didn't learn in school and that most of us have not taken the time to learn ourselves. And even if we did, you really have to dig pretty deep into many different resources in many different places to learn all this information. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to put it all together here and focus on these systems of government, money, and education and how they were formed and how they work, how they impact us. And what risks they pose to us and to our loved ones. Since there are risks that exist there that we will see, and there are intentional negative structures that exist, we need to know how to protect ourselves. We may want to know how to profit from this. We may want to know how to fix it. We may want to know what we need to do for our children or for our grandchildren or our parents or ourselves. And we're going to learn these things. That's, that's the goal of what we're doing here is to learn what we need to learn about these core foundations of our society and bring enlightenment to these areas that are crucial for us as individuals and us as a whole. There is a stereotype for the system, and that is the same as the man. And we picture this government official that's putting his thumb on all the little people and forcing his will upon them and taking all their money and restricting their freedoms. And we see him doing this through money and through government and through education and propaganda. But This stereotype is not very accurate. I will say, though, that the concept of the system that is manipulating us and influencing us and restricting us, 
that concept is accurate. However, most of the participants in the system are not necessarily acting out these goals in a purposeful way. Teachers are not trying to restrain the learning of their students. Um, On the contrary, they're generally trying to educate them to the best of their ability. They really want these kids to learn. However, we will see that structure of the education system is such that it does stifle learning. And when we get into government, most politicians get into it for the purposes of doing what's best for society. They see problems with society and they think that they have the answers and that they can help and it would be better if they were in charge. Now, of course, some are just corrupt and power hungry, but many politicians are actually good in their hearts and in their goals. However, the incentive structure in government is such that these people with these good-hearted goals will never achieve them. They may get little pieces, but the system, again, is designed in such a way and the incentives are structured in such a way that we will generally always see some specific negative results come out of government. And as we move into money, it's a very similar deal. Money is very important and money is a very good thing and a useful thing. However, The core fiat system that we use right now around the majority of the world has some aspects that take value out of the hands of people that use this money and put it into the hands of people in government and specific sectors. So the goal of this podcast is to be a resource for this needed education around these systems. Hopefully you do get some entertainment out of it, but more importantly, hopefully you learn some practical wisdom in regards to how to live your life and protect yourself and your loved ones, given the scenarios that we will present and the dynamics that we will discuss. I believe that this content is very important for all of us as individuals, as citizens, as parents, as children. And I have found that this content is lacking in this format. I personally have found this content in many different formats and from many different sources. I have read many different books and listened to a large number of podcasts and done a lot of online research. And I've been able to find all the content that we will discuss here and that will be presented. However, I have never been able to find one source that brings all this stuff together and that I was able to use as a resource to learn all about these institutions, these problems and risks, and the system as a whole from this perspective of government, money, and education. So in order to learn what we are going to learn, we will start with history. By analyzing the history of these systems, we will be able to truly and properly understand the systems that we currently live under. We will be able to analyze them. We will be able to discuss them. We will be able to share information with friends and family about 
these systems and some of the problems with them. But if we don't understand the history behind these systems, then we will never be able to achieve these goals. So we will begin by looking at where we've been so that we can get a clearer view on where we're going. As I'm sure everybody has heard, history repeats itself, and it does. Although the specific instances in history may not repeat exactly, we will be able to see trends. We will be able to spot patterns and assess ideas that repeat and systems that have been tried in many different ways at many different times. So by doing this, we will be able to analyze our current state and what's going on now. And we will be able to see a lot of the cracks and flaws and risks, as well as a lot of the positive attributes of what we have now in our current forms of government money and education. Near the end of the series, we're going to look at the future. Although I cannot see into the future, I do not claim to, and I don't think anybody else can. We can, however, narrow it down. We can get a clear picture of the likely future possibilities given certain criteria. So what we can do is look at these patterns and look and assess our current state and see what the most likely scenarios are that will progress from here. And as we do that, we will be able to see what events, what trends, what shifts to look out for in order to see which one of these potential futures we are headed towards. And that can be very important because if we see, for example, one utopian vision and one dystopian vision, it would be very handy to know which way society is going. And so if we can point out some specific things to look out for, some specific flags to watch, then we should be able to get an idea of how society and the state are trending together. I guess it's important that I go over why we are talking about government, money, and education. Obviously, these things are very important, and they are at the core of our society, but what specifically about them make them very important for us to look at and assess and study? When we think about what the biggest influence is on us in our lives, government is probably one of the main things that we would think of if we think much about it. And this is because government has one of the largest influences on our society as a whole and on our culture. Government determines the rules and the laws and the regulations, not only for individuals, but also for companies and religious organizations and nonprofits and education and the economy, security, just all these different aspects, foreign relations. It's, it just goes on and on and on. Government is at the core of all this and is running all this. The governmental system that we live under is what controls all of these different aspects. Now, Governments, we see, are restricting the freedoms of individuals and businesses. They tend to be in a constant state of war. We see a stereotype that begins to emerge about 
government jobs and politicians. When you hear that somebody gets a government job, do you think, oh, well, that man must be the brightest and the best and the cream of the crop, and he is probably the hardest working and most efficient worker that is on the market? Well, no. Generally, when we think of government jobs, we think of inefficiency. We think of people that may be unqualified or qualified but not necessarily apply all of those qualifications. Um, The same is true of politicians. Generally, most people do not think of politicians as being very selfless and sacrificial and wanting just the best for their community, and that's all they care about. No, generally, when we think of politicians, we think of someone who cannot be trusted, who is deceitful, who is maybe power-hungry, or searching for influence for a specific cause that is probably one that is very selfish to either that person or their donors. And this is not a very positive outlook that we have when we think of politicians. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that when we think of different roles in government, that we don't generally have a very positive view. And we'll talk about why. In regards to the effect on us as individuals, Anytime we have an interaction with government and we have a government over us, there is always an exchange of some of our individual freedoms and powers and rights that we give up to the government that we are under. And in exchange, we get things that we believe are worth the exchange, typically. And that would be things like protection and services and different things of this nature. So as we see governments growing in power and control and intervention, we see that there may be some things that we need to do, some actions that we need to take in order to protect ourselves and our families. Ultimately, governments are subject to the people. They are subject to those that they rule over because you are never going to have a group of a few thousand people be able to control a group of millions. It's not going to happen. The only way it happens is if those millions allow themselves to be controlled by those few thousand. And oftentimes, the citizens of an oppressive government just don't think it's worth it to stand up. They don't see the benefit or they don't see that they could have any impact. However, they could. And although I am not saying that most of the world powers now are oppressing all their people, but what I am saying is that there are some instances of oppression and there are some instances of overstepping the roles that these governments should be playing and that there is an impact on us as individuals. There are some actions that we should be taking, not necessarily to start a revolution or to totally change the way government works, although, you know, it may be a good thing to kind of influence those aspects. But mainly what I'm talking about is that we don't want to be taken advantage of, and we don't want our individual rights infringed on. And we can avoid these things by taking certain actions and taking certain precautions and looking out for certain signs. Now, moving on to money. Money, like I said before, is very important. It is the backbone of trade and economic activity. Money is something that enables the ability to have debt and to have payments and 
to start a retirement or get efficiently rewarded for our endeavors and our labors. And so money is something that we want and we need in a society like the one we live in today. However, there are some issues with the current system of fiat money that we have now. We have a money that is controlled and manipulated by the government. And this money is eroding in value over time. If you look back at the purchasing power of a dollar, for example, 50 years ago, the purchasing power then compared to the purchasing power now it has gone down roughly 80 to 95%, depending on which metrics you look at. And so if you think about what's happening there, you've got this scenario where if I would have taken a year's salary that I made 50 years ago and put it into savings, or maybe I don't trust the government and I don't trust the banks and I just keep it in cash under my mattress... Now, I would think that this protects it and that I keep that value. And that amount of money that I saved up over a whole year of hard work, that could buy a small retirement home. And so what I'm going to do is put away that year's wages and hide it and keep it from the government or any companies or people. I will keep it safe and protect it myself from theft. And I will have this money when I retire and be able to buy a retirement home cash when I am ready 50 years later. Well, now that 50 years has passed and the time has come for me to retire and I take out that money that I had saved up for this purpose. Now, when I go to buy a retirement home, I see that I can barely afford a down payment, that the value that this money has can no longer buy a home. It can't even buy a new car it can buy a used car with 100,000 miles on it, and that's about all I can get. And so somehow, over the course of those 50 years, even though I did not give that money to anybody, I did not allow the government to have control of it or any bank to influence the value, it still went down in value by 80 to 90% through no fault of my own. And I would personally argue that there is a moral issue with that that the value of my labor should not erode in value to that extent. Now, in addition to the issue of inflation and losing value, you've got the fact that fiat money is only valuable because the government that controls it says that it's valuable. There is no intrinsic value. There is no redemption value for gold or silver or any other useful commodity. And... In America, for example, we have trillions of dollars of unbacked debt that other foreign powers have loaned to us that we have no plans on ever paying back. We just plan on continually making interest payments, and that's about it. And we give these threats, or the politicians at least give these threats when they can't agree on raising the debt ceiling or changing certain policies that, well, we'll just default on our loans if we don't get our way. And I wonder, what effect does that have on our lenders, the people that are giving us these debts and financing our endeavors as a government what do they think when they hear our leaders and politicians say, well, we might just not even pay the interest? 
much less the balance of the loans that we have. Well, that probably doesn't make us look very reliable or trustworthy, and that's a bit of a problem. This may be a little extreme, but there actually is a risk that a fiat system may fail. We have many examples over history of currencies coming in and out of favor and being used and then basically being worthless. And this can happen, although I am not saying that it will, and I don't think it's the most likely scenario. But I do see that it is likely that fiat money will continue to lose value and will likely lose even more value than it has over the past 50 years, for example, that this rate of inflation and eroding value will continue, that the trust that people, individuals, citizens, as well as foreigners and foreign powers, the trust that they have in our money and our government will also erode and be lower and lower as the years and decades go on. So we do have some possibilities of protecting ourselves from these risks. We can see that these risks exist, and there are different financial instruments and investment practices and competitive commodities as well as competitive currencies that we can look at and we can discuss and see how to position a portfolio and live our lives and our economic activity and what how we buy and how we save and how we invest in order to have the best chance of success to achieve our goals. And all of our goals are different usually. Some people are planning on retiring soon, some never. Some people are more interested in their posterity and the well-being of their children and grandchildren. Some people are single and have no kids, and they just want to live the best life they can while they're living it. And so we're going to look at how the system of money that we have today does impact us and what that means and what we should do and can do because of these effects and these core structures. Moving on to education, we see what may be the most important aspect of our lives as individuals. Our education is the building block for how we think, for what we think, for when we think, and it is the foundation for our knowledge and our beliefs, and oftentimes our morality and our view of history and of culture and of those around us. So education is very important for us to look at and study. We all, I would guess, would say that the public education system we have today, on one hand, is great. Everybody gets an education. We all have an equal right to be educated in most of the developed countries around the world and equal access to that education. However, I would also say that most people consider the public education system to be lacking, that there are certain ways that they do not educate our citizenry and our children as well as they could or maybe we think that they should. And so as we look back at the history of 
public education specifically, but we'll look at education as a whole and all different types and all different forms in many different cultures and systems. And as we start to see what these systems were and how they formed and how we got to where we are today, we will be able to see that the current system we have today is one that does not promote the goals that most of us have. It does not promote innovation or creativity or critical thinking. On the contrary, it actually stifles these things, and this is deliberate. The system is set up in such a way that it creates a docile workforce, a complacent citizenry, a group of people that believe themselves to be educated, but in many respects are sorely lacking in true education and true intellectual prowess. And so whether we are looking at ourselves as individuals or our kids or grandchildren, it is very important to see why and how the system is lacking and where it is lacking as well as what we can do to fill in these gaps and to maybe influence the system in these areas that it's failing in. And how can we keep our children and ourselves from continuing being just sheep? We don't want to continue this dumbing down of society through lack of true education. On the contrary, we want to change this structure. We want to learn to be innovative. We want to educate ourselves and continue education throughout our lives, continue learning, continue exploring, continue being imaginative and creative and learning new things. But this is not what the system teaches people to do. So why is that? We do know that most teachers want their kids to be successful and to learn, and they try hard at that. However, it doesn't happen, and largely it won't happen, not because of the efforts of these participants, but rather because of the structure of the system, which is why it is so important to truly analyze that structure, to really look at it, to look at its history, to look at its impact, to look at what developments are likely going to happen in the near future and what to look out for, how to influence that, how to change things in our own lives and for the lives of others, and just all these different aspects, they're very important for us to discuss and us to think about and us to learn about. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to cover here. Overall, I believe that we all have a basic need for this education, Now, beyond our basic needs for food, water, shelter, relationships, that kind of stuff, we have these needs uh, for living in our societies the way they exist today of writing and reading and arithmetic and practical living skills and societal awareness and civics. We, We have needs, and I believe that the content that we're going to provide here falls within this category of needed education in order to live our lives well and to protect our lives well and our possessions well and our property well and our families well from the predatory aspects and manipulative aspects of the system we live in and that we live under. So overall, as we continue on in our series, 
past this introduction episode for the podcast, the rest of the series will be structured in groups of three. So we will have these three foundational pillars of government, money, and education that we will see. So we'll see a podcast on government, and then we will do a podcast on money, and then one on education, and we will follow in that pattern. We will start with the origins of these systems, and then progress to the more modern history, then into the systems that we have now, then maybe the impact that they have on us and actions for us to take, and then the possible futures and the outlook for these systems and their effects. And that's the general structure of the podcast. Right now, this is something that is a personal hobby and endeavor that I am undertaking because I see a need. This is content that I personally have sought out for many different reasons, and I have not found it well in one source and one resource. So I'm going to try to provide that myself. I am funding it all myself. I am purchasing the hosting service and the equipment that I buy and all this stuff. And I will also set up a Patreon account. And so if anybody else wants to support this content and support this endeavor that I'm undertaking, I would love it and I would appreciate it greatly if you would support through a donation or a monthly subscription of some kind. I will be providing some extra benefits to those patrons, but regardless of the amount of support or lack thereof, I will still produce this content and I will get it out there and I will continue to fully fund it myself if I need to. I believe it is that important. Another possibility, depending on support, would be adding some extra content in addition to this series on government money and education. Any extra content will probably still focus on these systems and these aspects. However, we might be able to do some topical episodes and discussions. We might be able to do some interviews or put out a current events episode every once in a while to cover what's going on in the world and what some of the big events are and what their impacts are and a perspective to look at them from based on the perspectives that we are already viewing these systems from in our current studies. What I'll do is take input from those who are subscribed and have donated on the Patreon page, and we'll set up a discussion there and kind of take votes and take input on what we might want to do for season two of the podcast, uh, as well as with the kind of bonus episodes that we'll have on there. We'll do some question and answer formats, and um, those questions um, will come from that community there, and we'll be able to do that. And then the plan will be that after this first season is done of the formal podcast, then I'll add back in some of that bonus content so that everybody will get to listen to that and get to that eventually. So that's our rough plan. Financial support is not the only way for you to support this podcast. I strongly encourage you and desperately ask you to rate and review the podcast. That is very important for podcasts to get out there. It is very important in order for us to get this content out there as a resource for those looking for this content and this material. So please give us a rating. Please leave a review. 
and support in that way, which is very important, if not just as important as any financial support that you may consider. Now, for a personal note, I will introduce myself. So if you're not interested, just skip ahead and go to the next episode. But if you are curious and do want to know who I am, then here's your chance. I will tell you now, I probably won't talk much about myself throughout any of the other podcasts, but I'll do it here and at least introduce myself so you know who I am and where I'm coming from. Like I said before, this is a hobby of mine. I am not a professional podcaster or a professor. I am not an economist, but I am someone who is very interested in these concepts and this material, and so I am producing it. I have done some informal teaching. I have done some presentations on similar content. I've hosted an educational website on similar content. So I've done some stuff working with getting this content out there and teaching it. But like I said, I'm not a professional at any level. I come from a state-educated background, which is interesting since I'm very against the public education system, but part of that is through experience. When I went to college, I graduated with a double major in entrepreneurship and marketing, so I took a lot of business classes on everything from finance to economics to business management to marketing to all the different aspects of running a business. And when I graduated, I did run a business. I started my own construction business, and I did that for about six years, and I enjoyed it. I learned just as much, if not more, from running my own business than I did in the however many years of schooling I had had prior to that, maybe 20 years or so. And so... As my life progressed, I got married, and my wife and I decided to start a family. So right around this time, I was presented with an opportunity to get a government job, Um, another one of those things that I may speak poorly of, but I took it, and it was great for me and my family. I was able to take a job that had great benefits, great retirement, great stability, and that's what we needed in our family at the time and still works very well for us. So the biggest benefit of getting this job, and that leads to some of my qualifications and where I got into this content, is that I am able to do my job and do my job well and listen to podcasts and audiobooks for at least four or five hours a day, every day. And it's great. I have learned so much more in the time that I have worked in this job then I learned in the rest of my time being alive and learning anything. I began by getting interested in stocks and investing. I had started a retirement account when I ran my own business, and I also had a brokerage account. I thought I was going to make a bunch of money um, playing the stock market and working off of oil futures and leveraged ETFs, and it got very complicated. I made a whole lot of money. I also lost a whole lot of money. And in the end, I pretty much just broke even. But it did give me a lot of lessons and a lot of insight. And I learned a lot by doing that. And that's where my interest started. So I began listening to books and reading books and listening to podcasts about stocks and about 
stock analysis and commodity trading and the stock market in general and investment principles like value investing versus momentum investing versus growth and just all these different aspects. And I got really into it. And so with this, I realized that I was lacking in my knowledge in a lot of related areas. So I wasn't very up to date with the news. I never watched the news at the time. Um, I really couldn't stand it. It seemed really stupid and pointless. And in a lot of ways, I know the news oftentimes is. But I started searching out some more useful news outlets, and I was able to find some and started getting current on current events and news and the politics of the time. And that was very beneficial to kind of keep up with what's going on in the world and have a more worldview of events. And so moving on from news and current events and politics, I looked on the other side of economics which is very important when you're dealing with the stock market and stocks and assessing companies. And as I got into economics, I realized that this was a very interesting field that I had a lot of interest in, and I dug in deep. I learned a lot about Keynesian economics versus Austrian economics, and that was a real eye-opener. I really fell for the Austrian side, so I'm sorry if you don't agree with that position, Uh, but that is the one that I leaned more towards, and I dug a lot into that. And as I did, I went back and read books from the 1600s and 1700s and all the way up into Hayek and Mises and some more recent authors. And what was... The most interesting to me was as I was reading these books, I, I saw that they weren't just talking about economic activity. They were talking about the structures of governments and political systems. They were talking about the educational system. They were talking about individual rights, and it was so much bigger than just economics. And so I had to make my education so much bigger than just economics. So I graduated from economics and went into history. So I started studying what systems and structures and ideas and thoughts were going on throughout the ages and went back to the earliest times that we know about all the way to kind of our modern systems and what those look like, which I had read more about and researched more about. But it was interesting to see that a lot of the systems and governance structures and types of money that I was learning about have been tried before and used before many different times in many different ways. And so studying that gave me really good insight into the other things that I was learning about and studying. And around this time, I also learned about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. And this was another thing that I got very involved in, dove completely into. And the biggest draw for me on the blockchain world is that these projects and currencies are not just money or a simple technology. But similar to the books that I had been reading and the research I had been doing, they incorporate so many different fields. 
And they go from governance systems to money to incentive structures to cryptography and just all these different aspects that all have to work together and tie in together. And there is no way to truly understand to any even rough extent of how this all works together without having this foundational knowledge of all these other different aspects that are working together. And so by looking into all these other areas of economics and governance and politics and education and history and investing and all these different things, I was able to find a field in blockchain where they all came together in a large extent. And I really enjoyed that. And I'm still into that to some degree. So this is kind of my educational background in a sense. It's a self-education, but my background nonetheless in the content that we're going to be talking about. I also have a bent towards sci-fi. Science fiction has always been one of my favorite things. I've, I enjoyed video games growing up as a kid, and my favorite ones were the shooters that were more in the sci-fi category. Uh, sci-fi books are my favorite books to read just for entertainment. I've always enjoyed the fact that you have these concepts and ideas and whether it be races or technology or worlds, it doesn't matter. It's these whole universes that are built that are new. They are things that we don't encounter right now and right here. And it, to me, it is very expanding for my mind to be able to think about these things. And oftentimes, in at least good science fiction writing, you have discussions and scenarios about processes and about systems and about morality that do exist in our world in the here and now, but they're presented in a way that is in a fantastical world and place. And by doing this, we can assess these different concepts and ideas in a more creative way and in a way that we can't do by just looking at what's going on in the world today. And to me, that was just very interesting. It always has been. And it fits in with all these other categories that that I enjoy and that I've studied. Um, looking at a book like the classic Dune, Dune is all about politics. It's all about economics. And it, it fits in. It, there are histories involved there. And it just fits in with all these different concepts and groups and subjects. Another major influence that I had coming into all this was that my wife and I decided to homeschool our children, and that's our ideal. If they end up needing to go to school or wanting to go to school, then we are open to that. But ideally, we would like them to be educated at home and raised by us, their own family, their parents, so that we can ensure that they are getting the education that we believe they deserve and that's best for them. This is something I can't take credit for. My wife was actually homeschooled, and her brothers were also. And growing up, they had a good experience with education in general. There are many resources, and there's a large homeschooling group and community in the area that we live in. So it's something that seems to fit our family very well and fits our goals and hopefully works out. But why I bring it up now is because in preparation for that, I have done a lot of research on 
the education system and educational methods, and I also work in the public school system. So I have a lot of firsthand knowledge and firsthand experience with how things work in the schools, as well as all this research that I've done where I have learned about the systems that are used to educate our children and for the teachers to teach under and the process for selecting curriculum and how to impart that knowledge on the children and just all these different things. It really opened my eyes to the fact that it's not about how much money the school system gets or how good the teachers are or how much they care or the administration or the school board or any of these things. What it's really about and what it really comes down to is the core system and the core structure that our education system is based on and how it runs and what that skeleton is, what that core architecture is, that foundation for the learning that children in our society get from the public education system. So that has given me a lot of information and knowledge and food for thought about the educational aspects. Like I said, I was very interested in the economics. I went into politics and current events and stocks and investings and cryptocurrencies and sci-fi and just all kinds of stuff. And this would be more the educational background where I, I had a personal motivation for looking into it and doing a lot of research. I love my children and I want them to get the best education possible. And so I'm trying to do my part to help them with that and to give them that. And that has then, like I said, opened my eyes to all these issues with the system as it exists today and why they're there. So that's about all I have about me. That's who I am, where I come from, my perspective. And that's probably the most you're going to hear about me throughout the podcast. This podcast is not about me. This podcast is about the information and the content that we are presenting. It's about learning and enlightenment. And that's what we're going to focus on. I will inject my opinion into some aspects, but for the most part, we're going to be talking about facts, especially up front when we look at the histories and the foundings and the setup of these different systems. The one assumption that I do make and that does influence everything I discuss here is that I believe that every human being has rights. I believe that we all have a right to our lives, we all have a right to liberty, and we all have a right to property. I believe that we all have the right to exist and make choices in how we exist ourselves. I believe that we all have a right to, to liberty, to freedom, to be able to make choices on our own and not be forced or coerced into anything that we do not want to do. I believe that we all have the right to own property. If, if I make something or I earn something, whatever that something is that I have purchased or I have worked for or I have created, that belongs to me, and I am the one that has 100% of the rights to that. No one else has a right to that. And that's what I believe. I believe strongly in our rights to life, liberty, and property, and that does influence everything that I discuss here. I ask that you please subscribe to this podcast and that you take the next step 
to rate and review it as well. This really helps in getting the word out there and getting this podcast out there to be seen by others and heard by others. Like we've discussed and I've mentioned, this is so important. This is foundational material that every individual needs, and it's so important to get it out there. And you can help with that. Your support by subscribing and rating and reviewing really helps get this out there to others that are seeking this information. So please support us in this way. If you are willing to and interested in supporting us financially, I do have a Patreon page set up for this podcast specifically. It is on patreon.com slash ourfoundations, or I'm sure you can just search for Our Foundations podcast, and I'm sure you can find it that way. But I have that set up with a few different tiers and perks, so you can review it and look over that. Basically, if you just want to be a patron and help support us financially in getting this out there and all the different things we want to do, there's a $4 a month um, package or tier that you can do, and that gives you also the opportunity to get some extra bonus content. Um, I will be producing podcast episodes specifically for patrons and supporters. So you'll have access to that. If you want to go up to $10 a month, you can also have input in what we do in what topics we cover and some special question and answer episodes that we'll be doing. And so that would be great. There's also an ultimate tier above that for those that want to go even further. And you can look at that as well. You get some merchandise and there's a little more to it. But overall... I just ask that you support in whatever way you can. If you believe in the importance of this content and you want to spread the message of liberty and of enlightenment and learning, then please help with that, whether that be financially or just by giving us a rating or just subscribing, getting our numbers up or telling the people that you know and run across about this podcast Even if you don't support this podcast specifically, please at least support the information that we discuss. Tell others about the stuff that you're learning. It's very important. If people don't understand how our current fiat money system works, they could get into some trouble. Um, Like we will discuss, there are many risks associated with that. And if they don't understand the holes that are in their own education or the education that their children are getting, then they're really going to miss out and they're going to miss over a lot of stuff. So please spread this information, share it, tell people about what's going on. And that's really all I have. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your support of all kinds. Our next episode will be the origins of government. So please come back and listen to that. My name is Joshua and I'm out. Peace. Thank you for listening. Bye.